here we are for episode two. Episode of two our podcast. Um, welcome back. It's uh, Dr. Douglas Peak, and I'm Jesse mm-hmm. Mayer. Um, we're here continuing our talks about um, our upcoming sermon this next Sunday about suffering. But I mean, suffering is a pretty universal theme. Yes. Um, so even if you don't capture catch the the sermon on Sunday, a lot of what we're talking about is very very rooted in what a lot of people are feeling right now. We're in the middle of this COVID conundrum, as we've kind of um, coined the term here. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of suffering going on, and everyone's experiencing it in a different way. So they're wondering, why why am I suffering? You know, I thought I was a good Christian. I thought I was a good person. Why am I having to suffer through this? You know, I'm losing my job, fiscal responsibilities. You know, I may have had someone pass away because of this yeah. virus. There's, a, you know, all these liberty, movements, yeah. liberty, freedom, um, all this stuff going on. And there's yeah. a lot of suffering happening. Why? Yeah. Why are we suffering? <laughs> and I thought this was supposed to all go away when we when we became good Christians. Isn't that the well, truth, Pastor Doug? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, we're going to be preaching on 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12 on Sunday. And in, in uh, episode 1, we kind of addressed that. And we talked a little bit about the, the, the nature of what suffering does and why Christians suffer and how it doesn't have to cause you to abandon your faith. It can help purify and strengthen your faith. And so today I thought we'd talk about how Christians are suffering in today's world. And I think the biggest thing is this, is that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus in the midst of this global disruption, we call it a pandemic, is that you're going to be suffering in about three or four different ways. The first way, I think, is physically. I think uh, uh, people are going to have physical manifestations in their life due to COVID in one way or another. Uh, If you're older and you're in a vulnerable population, then you're not going to get out as much. You're not going to walk as much. You're not going to be as active as much. And that's going to have some serious physical ramifications. That's going to cause you to suffer. Uh, It can cause you to suffer if someone close to you gets it and passes away. You know, then there's tremendous grief and loss there. Uh, There are people who are getting it. Uh, and they recover, which the recovery rate is high. That's good news. Yes. But what's happening is then they have some complications from that over a long period of time. And they don't even know yet what those long-term complications yeah. we are. We haven't gone far enough away from it to even yeah. have any understanding of that. So you could get this and, and suffer, you know, suffer. Uh, I know people in our own community of faith who have suppressed immune systems. Uh, Some people have MS, some people have gone through cancer treatment, some people have gone through a number of these other things and their medications cause them to be vulnerable even if they're young, Right. you know, even if they're young. So so there's a great possibility that you could suffer because of a direct physical link or impact of COVID. And uh, I think the first thing you need to realize is that when you suffer physically, you can basically make a simple choice. I can suffer with God or suffer without God. And my encouragement would be to you is that the reason Christ suffered so vehemently before he was crucified on the cross is to send you a message in the midst of your suffering, your physical suffering. And that is this, is that 
people over time have asked me, well, why couldn't Jesus just, you know, die easily or simply? You know, I mean, if he's perfect. Well, he did it as an act of love. He did it as an act of love. And the reason why is to tell you and to show you that no matter what you're going through physically, Jesus has gone through it as well. And that he can, he's in your pain with you. You are not alone. And I think that's one of the things that, that Satan tries to convince you is that you're alone. You're isolated. Right. No one's going through the same thing I am. Yeah. There's no way they could understand this pain. Yeah. And, you know, we, we cry out, you know, why God? Why does it hurt so bad? And so, but what happens is when you understand what Christ suffered before he was crucified and then how he was crucified was such an agonizing experience. It helps you understand that physically your pain does not control you. You know, it doesn't rule over you. The agony, and that's a great word, the agony of it can be removed. That doesn't mean the pain goes away, but the agony of pain can be removed because of who Christ is and what he did. I think the other way that Christians are going to suffer in this is you're going to suffer uh, fiscally. You know, it's going to hit you in the pocketbook. And this is painful for Christians, you know, I think, uh, because we have been influenced by our faith. There's so much teaching on how to be fiscally responsible. And people who are mature in the faith tend to be good stewards. They're good managers. They've learned these techniques. And these techniques uh, that God has taught in the scriptures have brought them prosperity, you know. Uh, but what's really fascinating is this, is that if you're not a good steward, you're going to get hit hard, right? Because that's where all of your mistakes and flaws, you know, get heaped upon you, <laughs> so to speak. A disruption is always an accelerator, so it accelerates things. So if you have a lot of bad habits, they all come due at once. Does that make sense? And that's great suffering. Uh, but even if you've got a lot of great habits and you've prepared for it, guess what happens? You're, you know, all of your goals are going to be set back. Right. All of your, your uh, plans are going to be derailed. And the worst part about it is when you have to pay for somebody else's mistake. You know, that's even harder. Yeah, right? absolutely. Maybe a family member or somebody around <laughs> you, a business partner, or your own company or something. That's really hard. So fiscal, fiscal suffering is real. And you're going to go through it as a, as a Christian. My, what, what the scriptures teach in this regard, I believe, is this, is that you're suffering these trials so that you could prove the genuineness of your faith. And as we discussed in episode one, is that it's like a fire. And fire refines precious metals. It burns out impurities from them. There, there's an old, you know, uh, cliched story that preachers tell. I've heard it for 45 years. Do they have like a repository for all these stories that <laughs> yeah. the pastors I, I guess they, they have legs. You mean they, have, they, they just they never just die. die. They migrate <laughs> they around, migrate from around. Church to church. And it was this one, you know, a preacher asked a, 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 a silversmith, you know, how do you know when you've refined the silver enough? You know, you put it under heat and then you just keep, you know, I don't know if they boil it or fire it or whatever and he said this well the way you know that it's been purified is when you look into it and you see your reflection back perfectly 
that's how you know it's finally been purified. Mm. In, in a way, that's what it does is that suffering really causes us to see our true selves. You know what I'm saying? And whether we know it or not, in good times, we have all kinds of divided loyalties. Oh, I love Jesus. You know, he's my number one. But, you know, I have a great company. I have, you know, lots of toys. I'm enjoying life. I'm da, 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 da. But boy, when the suffering comes, that that's when it's really hard to... Because to, the impurity, your divided loyalties are being burned out of you. Right. You know, so that's hard. I think another place that people suffer is is they're going to suffer their destruction of their community, you know? I mean, especially in this, it's like the social aspects, I think, have been the hardest, especially on people roughly around my age, like millennials and younger. We don't know what to do with ourselves because we can't socialize, and I think it's causing us to go stir-crazy, and, you know, that's this loss of community or belonging. I think there's a lot of people older than my generation that have a better solid foundation in who they are without Mm -hmm. other people. I don't think, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to everything, but I think my generation is so focused on what group you're a part of, what you do and what your job is. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's all defined by this community. And so when COVID threw that all out the window and said, go home, stay there, or you can't interact with these people anymore. It left a lot of people adrift. Yeah, and I, I think as Christians or followers of Christ, what it does is, is that you know our government is uh, is trying to do the best that it can, right? It's coming in and it's saying, hey, we we're doing the best that we can, and and hey, you need to you know do this or you can't do that, you can't do this, and then what happens is people respond or react to that differently. Right. You know, and so it's really interesting for me for what I do, you know, as I'm a pastor. Is so a lot of people are like, well, if if, you know, only Christians are going to wear masks. Right. Because if you're a Christian, you'll wear a mask. And then I have other people saying, well, if you're a Christian, you won't wear a mask. Right. You know, if you're a you know, if you're a Christian, you'll do this. If you're a Christian, you'll do that. And there's all these articles. Well, these are 10 things Christians can't do. And what I found, it's just amazing to me how many people who are charlatans or saying all these things. And a lot of Christians are susceptible to those things. And I think they're susceptible to those things for two reasons. The first reason, which breaks my heart, is because some people who do what I do or people who attempt to do what I do are, are really not uh, honest and authentic. You know, they're doing what they're doing for power or influence or likes on Facebook. Right. You know, they want to get their they viewership up. The fans, they want the adoration. They want the fans' adoration. Yeah, and what I tell young preachers going into this, just, just remember that the history of the church is full or rift or rife of people doing what we do, you know, being crucified for it. <laughs> You know, so when you're speaking in a way where everybody in the culture loves you, then you're probably not preaching the gospel because the gospel in its other thing is forces you to take an assessment of your soul and people don't like that. Right. Uh, That's your first reflex. The other reason why, though, I think that Christians are susceptible to this is because they just don't know the word of God. They don't read the Bible. They don't spend any time in the New Testament. 
and so they don't know the deep truths of God, the words that really feed the soul. And uh, what happens is what's going around Facebook and somebody writes an article that says, hey, Christians should feel this or do this or do that. On the surface, it sounds good and it fits with what they already think. So they buy into it quickly without ever really using discernment, right? you know, kind of thing. And so, so what I think is that that what that does is that then is used is a it's divisive in church communities you know small groups don't meet together anymore because people have different opinions about what stay at home actually means right you know what i'm saying and so Mm -hmm. so i think people are going to suffer that that way like the suffering you described of isolation and adrift and then division from their own community you know i i've uh uh since we have an online presence, I try to monitor it. I don't really actually put a lot of stuff out there except for what you put out in my name. <laughs> I speak for you, you speak on for... social media purposes. <laughs> but like you, you, you take things that uh, like my messages right. and things like this. And, and you know, we, we try to be really thoughtful and careful about what we're saying. And you put that out. But I don't like personally put a lot of stuff out right. there. You know, um, you, you, some people got some stuff because my kids got married. But <laughs> but one thing I do is I do monitor it, you know, right. see what all of the people that I know. And it, it, what I find interesting is to see f- people who are family members who won't talk to each other now because they have different positions. And I, I think that what I want to encourage Christians to do is that the purpose of this suffering is to refine our faith and help the genuineness and authenticity of our faith come out. It's not designed to put us under pressure and have all of our paranoid, schizophrenic attitudes and tendencies to come out. Yes. <laughs> so, so we really have to endeavor to seek the bond of unity, and I think. And that's hard. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, be diligent to preserve the bond of unity. In other words, diligent is, a, you know, it's a big word. Right. has a lot of juice behind it. It's not a passive word. <laughs> no, no. It takes a lot of hard work. And what you're going to have to do as a Christian is you're, you're going to have to spend less time thinking why everybody else is wrong and think about why is it I get so upset when people have a different opinion about it than I do. See, that's really the challenge as a Christian. And so um, my personal opinion, this is personal, you know, as your pastor, I'd like to share this. And that is, is that I think our government is doing the best it can. You know, it's the first time we've dealt with. Yeah, it's like never this. done with this. And I know I know personally the people that are trying to help speak into the problem and the issue with government officials. And these are people that I, I respect them highly. They are top notch in their field. And so on the one hand, I think that when it comes to what our government's trying to do, we ought to give them the benefit of the doubt. We ought to see the intent that they're trying of what they're trying to do. But the other side of it is, as well as your pastor realizes that they're human beings and human beings are flawed. And so the best thing to do is, in my opinion, is to know what the word of God teaches. And because the word of God teaches two things. Uh, In Romans, it says we should submit to the authorities. And then in Acts, it says 
Would we obey man rather than God? May it never be. <laughs> so the, 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 the only time that we shouldn't follow along is when God has called us to a higher calling or to a higher function. And so uh, how do you discern that? How do you know that? You know, well, if you don't know the word of God, not rooted. if you're not rooted, it's really difficult. Then you know what I'm saying? You're going to fly off the handle. And, and uh, so it's really important to seek counsel and be wise and know when the government is asking us to do something. Uh, well, and I think going back to episode one, you talked about when you read a verse, you read it multiple times over and over and over again. Yes. Right? Yes. And a lot of that comes down to listening. And I think we are in a culture where social media is so available that you can just write something off of a whim and throw it out into the world and yeah. it's there forever. Right. Yeah. As opposed to I'm going to read this and think on it and sleep on it and read it and think and sleep and read and think and sleep. And it gives you more time to process. And then it cools off some of those, those, the heat that comes with some of these differing opinions or what different um, people might say. And you can, give a better response rather than just instantly throwing something out there, creating even more strife or suffering for some people. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, my encouragement for people is this, is that, uh, stand up for what you believe, but respect the medium. That's, that's one thing I always say. And what does that mean? What does it mean to respect the medium? Well, you need to understand what the medium is designed for. You see, what is the actual purpose of Facebook, you know? And what is the actual purpose of Instagram? What is the purpose of YouTube? There's these people who founded these companies to make money. That's right. what they want to do. And there are, the, the medium lends itself to certain things. Like Twitter, for instance. Twitter, uh, I've heard described, is just a cesspool of opinions. Yes. And that's what it is. <laughs> but it's designed for that, right? It's right. designed to create flames. It's uh, fires, uh, firestorms. It's designed to do that because then that guy makes money yes. when that happens. When nothing is happening on Twitter. If everyone was just complimenting each other all the yeah. time, you would not probably yeah. be. The guy, the people in charge of it would be very poor. Yes. And so when, when uh, I'm not saying don't be on Twitter. What I'm just simply saying is don't ever forget the intent and purpose, the unspoken premise. So respect the medium. Yes. That that's what it's for. And so uh, I, I don't personally tweet, you know, right. I, the church tweets, you know, we do. <laughs> It's, it's few and far between right now. Our social media team's working on yeah. that process, but yes. But what's the one thing I always tell um, all of our team people and everything? Let's always respect the medium, understand. Because if we understand the game it's playing, then we can figure out the best way to speak truth into that game. Right. And that's the goal of, of everybody who follows Christ. How do I speak the truth? Not my truth or what I think the truth needs to be. It's the very truth of God. Right. See, we have to speak the words of God to a lost and searching world. So I, I think a lot of Christians are going to suffer, you know, if they don't respect the medium. Yes. <laughs> but then you're going to suffer for those times you do speak truth into the medium. You're going to suffer for that because, you know, there's a mob and the mob has one goal in mind. And that is to silence anybody and everybody who disagrees with it. 
Um, some of the best things to understand about how mobs work is this, is just go read about the French Revolution. I know a lot of people haven't read about it. A lot of people don't know. But there was a mob uh, on Bastille Day. They stormed the Bastille and they let all the prisoners out. And that was the beginning of the French Revolution. And so then what they did is they started to, this mob is anybody that disagreed with them or they thought wasn't supporting them, they got the guillotines out and they started lopping off heads. What a lot of people don't know is a lot of people who were the leaders of the mob ended up getting their heads lopped off too. Because the mob is just insatiable lust of violence. That's all it is. It wants to destroy. And so, uh, you know, I know this is a controversial thing to say, but I think it's important that you know what your pastor thinks on this issue. And like I said, this is my opinion I'm sharing is that it pains my heart greatly when I see young pastors of successful churches jump on these bandwagons of these mobs. And then, then suddenly they find themselves in a place where they have to backstroke because they're being associated with and they've, they've wedded the name of Christ with some mob behaviors and activities which are just antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to his power of love to transform people. So, so my goal as a church, is, uh, as a pastor of this church, is to always lead it into the very words of Christ in any and every situation. Whether those words are popular or unpopular. Not Be- getting caught up in that, in whatever the cultural thing might be at that time. Because, yeah, I mean, even politics or, you know, movements and things like that, it's like inevitably there's somebody that's associated with it that's going to do something wrong, whether it's yeah. a good cause or not. And so the moment you attach your church's name to something, yeah, it then creates this undividable link and you're trying to swim away from it but yeah. you're forever tied to that especially in this day and age and and you know if you're a historian especially of church history christian history over the last two thousand years uh you're very aware of this because you know people oftentimes will go back and look at the church and they'll say well look at the church you know there was the crusades and i'm like well that's not such a great example that's kind of a mismatch of things you know i always say if you really want to criticize the church go look up the Bourget popes you know and that's b-o-r-g-e just google the Bourget popes and then boy it that'll raise us uh, (laughs) yeah oh boy that was a cesspool of stuff going on there but you could go back and you look at all the abuses spanish inquisition all of these types of things people go you know wow how did the church get so involved in that christianity well it's as a historian you go back and you see these patterns over and over and over again and that is is that there was an idea that started out as a good idea that appealed to the christian ethic in the new testament you know oh we need to love people or we need to treat people justly or we need to do this it starts that way well then the next thing it does it gets organized and it becomes a bureaucracy you know and then as soon as it becomes organized in a bureaucracy guess what it gets taken over by political power and people use the church for political power. So you, you look back and you look at every single abuse of, of Christianity today where, where people supposedly in the name of God did horrific things. What you're going to find is the people who are doing those things were not authentic Christians, number one. And number two, it was an arm. It was, it was taken over by some political power. You know, the Spanish Inquisition was a terrible thing, but a lot of people don't realize it was Isabel and Ferdinand's arm of their government that was doing that. So uh, you look at the Lutheran Church during the rise of Nazism, the Third Reich in Germany, 
and how it was used by the Third Reich. Right. It was at the point, a lot of people are not aware of this, but the Lutheran cross, you know, is a cross with a circle around the center of it. Right. Uh, they took the swastika and they superimposed that over the Lutheran cross during the Third Reich. So, so what's happening is my warning is be really careful about the winds of whatever is blowing at the time as a follower of Christ because the uh, potential for abuse and to be taken over for political power is, is very prevalent. And you see this all throughout history. So whatever it is, we should be, and I've said this before, we need to be a non-adjective church, you know? We are not an economic justice church. We, we are just about justice. We're not a social justice church. We're just about justice. justice. We're not about uh, ethnic justice, societal justice, social justice, economic justice, you know, whatever adjective you want to put in front of it. Justice is justice. And it's very simple in the eyes of God. It's not complicated. It's defined very clearly in the <laughs> yes. Bible. And there's no variance on it. They, he has no adjectives or... That's right. Uh, justice is justice. justice. Yeah, that's what it says in the Old Testament, quoting the prophet, you know. The, the, all it is is to love justice, you know. And so we want to love justice and what it is. My wife and I started a, a ministry called uh, uh, Idaho Coalition for Justice, and it's just about justice. Uh, it's this way. Our goal is to seek not just justice, but truth. It, we're not trying to seek your truth. We're not to, trying to seek their truth. We're not trying to th- seek that truth or postmodern narratives or any of that kind of stuff. There's just a simple truth, you know, and there, it is either true or it is not. You know, we're not trying to find, you know, I could just go down the list. We don't have time to do that. But our goal is to be a church that, you know, first and foremost, we're committed to love as God defines love. Not as I define it, but as God defines it. I am not the the moral arbiter of the universe, right? right? I I am incapable of that. (laughs) I'm totally incapable. I'm way too flawed. Number two, we seek justice as God defines justice. We seek not only love and justice, we seek redemption as God defines redemption. And here is where Christians are gonna suffer the most because in the world in which we live today, they wanna define redemption as something different than as God defines it. And that's where you're gonna be confronted with your own notion, do I really understand what God means when he says, I have come to redeem you. And so, so that's how this passage, 1 Peter 1 through 3 through 12, is really going to, I think, kind of help us see more clearly uh, how to deal with some of these issues as we suffer for our faith in the world around us. Absolutely. Well, we're getting close to the end. Is there anything else you want to speak into before we wrap up? We've got the sermon on, you know, we're talking more about perseverance on Sunday. So some of these points um, will be revisited and then you'll expound upon them. uh, Well, on Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the answer. You know, uh, basically, it's how do I look at suffering? And so we're going to actually get into the solutions on Sunday. So you you won't want to miss that. I just want to say thank you to to our church throughout this pandemic and through Absolutely. the division and stuff, uh, Foothills has just been phenomenal in its response. 
and it's uh, it's really upped its game on sharing love and sharing truth and sharing redemption to a lost world. It's just absolutely remarkable. And the thing that I love about it is that is that it's made every effort to try to comply with uh, what our government has been saying, but never once has our church thought that it would shut down, that it would stop doing ministry. Because it says, even in the greatest challenges, that's where we need to be present the most. Right. So we're doing all we can. A you know? fearless church. A fearless church to a lost and broken world. So. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I uh, want to remind you, you uh, rating this five stars on whatever your podcast mecha- mechanism of choice is, iTunes, yeah. uh, uh, Pandora, any of those, um, really helps us get up in those um, algorithms so that other people can listen to this and, and get the yeah. They can find these, it. Yeah, they can find it, and that allows them to really hear what Pastor Doug's talking about, and it might inspire them or answer a question that they've been suffering with, or they may have a family member that's asking these same questions of, well, if God's real, why am I suffering, or things like that, and these things we've talked about in these last couple episodes, Mm -hmm. and so you taking that minute to just hit that five stars allows us to potentially share with Mm -hmm. someone who's desperately in need of hearing these words, so we appreciate that. Um, As always, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch the visual version. This is an audio format, but if you want to see Pastor Doug and I's beautiful faces, you can Uh do that on YouTube as well. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. All right. God bless. Have a great week.